You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. What is up, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to a new episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show, proudly part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, and brought to you proudly by Manscaped and BetUS. Whew, this is going to be a different one. Uh, flying solo, Josh is celebrating the birthday of his wife, so uh, getting some couple time in. Uh, decided it would probably be the best thing for his family and uh, likely his his own self preservation. Not to do a podcast uh, on the evening of his wife's birthday after putting the kids down. So hopefully Josh is not watching this show and having a good time and celebrating. Um, uh, the rest of us Dolphin fans are probably not in such a celebratory mood after that game yesterday. It was really difficult. Uh, and the Dolphins obviously look at this point, they, they, they fall three to three. They fall down to three and three after losing 24 to 16 to the Vikings. I'm not going to do the whole breakdown, the good, the bad and the ugly. At the end of the day, at, at this point, you, you all watch the game. You've probably consumed some other podcasts or reading materials and have gotten, you know, the gist of what happened, whether you watched it or not. The bottom line is, the Dolphins lost a game to a Vikings team that looked very mediocre. And in spite of the fact that Skylar Thompson went down uh, with an injury and so for the third game in a row, the Dolphins had to finish the game with a quarterback that not only didn't start the game, but also didn't get the reps in practice with the starters. So they had to finish the game with a quarterback that they didn't that they didn't plan on being the quarterback in that game and so obviously that's a big part of the storyline is the injuries but the the bigger takeaway here is honestly how they lost that game and and while injuries were a part of it in spite of all of the injuries the dolphins didn't lose that game because of those injuries the dolphins lost that game because they missed opportunities, they made mental errors, and they played a really sloppy, undisciplined football game. And more importantly, again, for the third time in a row, the Dolphins went into the fourth quarter in a close game and had an opportunity in the fourth quarter with the football driving with a chance to take the lead in the football game and they failed to do so. And 
basically lost control of the game. And now they, they kind of made it a little bit interesting because the Vikings played really, really soft coverage and let the Dolphins drive down for what ultimately ends up being just a garbage time touchdown. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins lose a game where they thoroughly dominated the first half of the game and went into the locker room down 10 to three. The second half was pretty even, but overall the Dolphins really outplayed the Minnesota Vikings and looked like the better football team for the majority of the game, but found a way to lose. Whether it was the, I mean, it's not one of these things. It's the penalties. It's the, the turnovers. I mean, not just turnovers, but really bad, inexplicable turnovers. Uh, Missed field goals from your, from your highly paid kicker who suddenly cannot make a field goal over 50 yards, uh, in spite of being paid to be an elite kicker. So it, it it's just, it, it's a hard pill to swallow that after starting three and oh, the Dolphins now find themselves back at three and three, back at 500 and Look in the in the grand scheme of things, if you told any Dolphin fan at the beginning of the season, hey, you're gonna be three and three through the first six weeks of this season, any Dolphin fan would have taken that. And in fact, most fans, even the fans that had the Dolphins making the playoffs, probably had the Dolphins at three and three at this point of the season. Maybe you had them at four and two. But most fans probably had them at three and three whether realistic expectations or even playoff expert t- expectations. Myself personally, I had them at three and three going into this point in the season. Um, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs before the season, but ultimately they're still right where they need to be. They're right on track for where they need to be. It's just, we didn't get there in the way that we thought we would get there. And after starting three and oh, the expectations were raised and this wasn't where you were supposed to be three weeks later. So what we're going to talk about today, and I'm, a, you know, look, if you've watched the show, if you listen to the show, you know that I have a tendency to kind of fly off the rails and go off on a tangent. Without Josh here uh, to keep me on the rails, I apologize. That that it, There's a high likelihood that that's going to happen. So I'm going to revert to my notes and try to keep things on track here and not just lose all of you guys by just jumping into to a tangent. Um, so what we're going to talk about is I've kind of broken this down into, look, we got to look at where we're at, which we just basically did, which is we're three and three. We're still very much in the mix. Like everybody is just bunched up in the AFC. Anything can happen at this point. You're, you're whether, even if we were two and four, you'd still be really in playoff contention, although we'd be kind of panicking a little bit. Um, but at three and three, you're, you got everything that you need in front of you. You still have that. You're still in this stretch of schedule where you feel like you can get hot and go on a run. And that obviously would be, uh, helped out by the return of Tua Tonga Vailoa, which, uh, it looks like is going to happen next week. But how did we get here? We got here not the way that we wanted to. And what are the, what are the reasons? Like, what, like, what are the, like, 
instead of breaking down this game and what went right and what went wrong in the game, let's look at the season thus far and look at what's gone right, what's gone wrong, what the problems are, and then most importantly, can those problems be fixed? Because obviously, if they don't get fixed, then this season is just going to spiral out of control, and it, it's going to look more and more like like last season, although uh, it might even get uglier if they can't figure out how to address these problems. Uh, and then we'll do... Then we'll do the pulse check and then we'll do our, our final thoughts. So before we get into what the problems are, got a message here from our pals at Manscaped. Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK. Whether you're brand new or already with us at Manscaped, you could use the crown jewel of care for your family jewels, the Platinum Package 4.0. With this glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. Got to be careful with those swoops in that part of the, in the, in the nether regions there. Inside the 10 part Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the performance package, plus some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game to platinum. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can keep scaping even as the weather's changing. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. And don't forget to apply their aluminum-free Ultra Premium Deodorant. And don't worry, it's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne-quality fragrance. Although, uh, you know... If you go around smelling like uh, pumpkin spice, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You'd probably attract all the basic bitches. But we shouldn't save a signature scent for our pits. Use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make sure your go-to smell is top shelf and not sweaty balls. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their pre their Platinum Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag, both specially made to hold your goodies. Get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. So go to manscaped.com, get that 20% off and free shipping. Use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Manscaped, clear out the leaves. It's your tree trunks. Time to shine. So, what are the problems with this team? It's it's not yet Festivus, but it's time to air our grievances. 
What what is the problem with this football team? What where have things gone wrong? Well, look, first and foremost, we're not trying to make excuses, but obviously injuries have been a major storyline. When you're when you're consistently shuffling in and out of your quarterbacks, uh your you know, the quarterback that's in the game and you're consistently missing multiple offensive linemen, multiple people in your secondary. That is a major factor. Uh, no team, no matter how good or how well equipped that team is to, to play each week or to make a run towards the playoffs or be a Super Bowl contender, no matter what that team is, if they're playing their third string quarterback, if they're missing their two best tackles, if they've got basically five of their top six corners going into the season, missing significant time, there's going to be issues. And that's an unfortunate part of football. And it's not about excuses, but it is one legitimate explanation of things that have gone wrong. Now, aside from injuries, because you can't really control those, what are the, what about the things that the Dolphins can control? What, what, what else has been going wrong? Well, Mental errors, penalties, turnovers, just, just mistakes, blown coverages, all of these things that have gone, that have gone wrong have played a part in derailing the, the winning ways that the Dolphins had. Uh, in these last, th- really the last three games, penalties have been a big issue, but these last two games specifically, 21 penalties for 199 yards. This is a problem. And this falls on coaching. When you talk about mental errors, you talk about penalties and turnovers, and we'll talk a little bit more about the turnovers here in a second. But these ineligible men downfield penalties, these lack of discipline, lack of hand discipline, these, these Mistakes on the fine details where the Dolphins seemingly are doing everything right, but they're just screwing it up just enough to negate it, have a penalty, bring the play back. They have to stop. And ultimately that stuff falls on the coaching. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when you look at, look, there's a lot that Brian Flores did down here that was not good. And there's a lot that Mike McDaniel has come in that we all like a lot better than what Brian Flores did. But one thing Brian Flores did that was unmistakable is that he made it his vow that the Dolphins were going to be a disciplined football team and they were going to play fundamentally sound football and they were not going to beat themselves. So that whole... TNT wall, as corny as it was, the take no talent wall, as corny as it was, as probably, you know, ineffective as it probably got by year two and three. I mean, he got rid of it after one year, but that whole messaging, the, at the end of the day, the Dolphins were a disciplined team under Brian Flores. They were one of the least penalized teams in the league. And so you bring in a head coach who's a rookie head coach. I mean, Brian Flores was a rookie head coach as well, but you bring in a coach that 
is noted for having a little bit of more laid back atmosphere, having a little bit more of a laid back personality. And I don't think it's a stretch when you look at the stats and you see the penalties mounting up. I don't think it's a stretch to correlate that to the personality of the head coach. And so for all the good that, that Mike McDaniel has brought in here, he's got to clean this up because it is a consistent problem, particularly over the last two weeks. And it's the difference between winning and losing football games, because you could say till you're blue in the face that the Dolphins would have won that game yesterday if Tua would have played. And, and you'll hear Dolphin fans that are shouting, you know, at the rooftops that woe is me. If Tua was healthy for, you know, all six games, the Dolphins would be six and zero. Oh. And I don't know that that's true because I don't think that this team is going six and zero, oh, making the mental errors that they're making. And those are not all falling on the quarterback. So the mental errors, the penalties, the mistakes and the turnovers have to be cleaned up. Other areas, the offensive line. This is one where it's like, you know, it, it's, it's tied to injuries because obviously Teron Armstead goes out. Uh, you've been playing, uh, now basically, basically all six games without Austin Jackson because he went out, I believe, in the first half of the, of the week one game, uh, against the Patriots. But, but really, like in pass protection, are you really missing Austin Jackson that much? Greg Little was bad. And we're all hoping that Austin Jackson can be better in pass protection than, than he has been in the past and better than Greg Little. And there is a reason that he's the starter over Greg Little. But most of that is because of his draft position, his raw skills, and his ability as a run blocker. It's really not for his pass protection where We've seen him struggle mightily since he's entered the league. And so if you're under the, uh, if you're under the impression that Austin Jackson's going to come back next week and that's, and that's going to solve the Dolphins pass protection issues. No, I, I, I'm not, I'll believe it when I see it. Now, obviously getting to Ron Armstead would go a long way towards solving that, but also you got to understand. When you signed Teron Armstead, this went along with it. You Nobody expected Teron Armstead to play 17 games in a row. It's just you you also weren't thinking that, you know, it was going to you were going to be playing without Teron Armstead and without Byron Jones and without Austin Jackson. And most importantly, without Tua Tungo-Vailoa all at the same time. And then you even throw in a game there where X didn't play. But, you know, the offensive line, even aside from those two players, I'm done with Liam Eikenberg. Like, I don't need to see more Liam Eikenberg to know that this guy is not a starter on, on this, on any kind of quality offensive line this season. Might he develop into something down the stretch? Maybe, but he was at upside. He, he was limited upside, uh, as a draft pick, uh, as a prospect. I just, I, I don't see it with him unless we're going to be consistently running the football and we're going to be a run first offense, which is kind of how we were billed. I just don't see the need for having Austin Jackson out there because he makes you he's dreadful in pass protection. He's just always 
getting beat, missing assignments on a twist or a stunt, just if getting off balance, falling down. It's just, it's the, the experiment of Liam Eichenberg at guard right now is a failure and I'm, and it's time for a change. And frankly, you've got Michael Dieter who is on a contract year and you've got to make decisions about Michael Dieter. Um, and Michael Dieter played a service, played serviceably at center. He wasn't good, but he wasn't bad at center last year. You go out and you sign Connor Williams, who made his money by being a very good guard, and you decided to play him at center. And now he's playing center at a solid level. It's not like he's been a pro bowler. He's not like he's a pro bowl caliber center right now, but he's been solid. Maybe he's even a little bit better than than Michael Dieter at center. The problem is, is you've got Liam Eikenberg at guard. So they need to do one of two things there. You either need to play Michael Dieter at left guard and sit Liam Eikenberg. Well, you need to sit Liam Eikenberg down no matter what. You could play Michael Dieter at left guard to keep the continuity of the center quarterback relationship. Or you could play Michael Dieter at center. He's comfortable with Tua from last year playing center. And you can move Connor Williams to his more natural, probably better position at guard. And then when you get Teron Armstead back, have a dominant side of an offensive line, which is what we all thought we had when we signed Connor Williams in the first place. Now, I kind of skipped a little bit ahead because that's something that can be fixed. Uh, you know, I, I said the problem and I, you know, I went around and I, and I gave the solution to that. Uh, but other than that, on the, that, that's basically everything on the offensive side of the ball. But on the defensive side of the ball, aside from injuries, big plays on defense and the lack of turnovers. Because two things are happening right now. This Dolphins defense played a whale of a game to force 10 punts. And I think it was like nine, three and outs. This Dolphins defense gave a Herculean effort in this game against Minnesota on Sunday. But again, in a big moment, after the turnover, uh, after the fumble by Jalen Waddell uh, in the fourth quarter, to give up the long touchdown run, to Dalvin Cook after shutting down the run the entire game in the most important time of the game after a big mistake by your offense, the defense doesn't just give up, you know, yards. They give up a back-breaking touchdown run. Um, and we're, and this is a trend. I mean, we're seeing it in every single game. In the, in the last game, it was, you know, the Brees Hall play on the blown coverage. In the Baltimore game, it was, you know, e- you, even if you want to take out the kick return, because the, you had the opening kickoff return, but also you had, uh, the Lamar Jackson run. You had the pass to Bateman and the, the running catch. It's happening every game. It happened in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati, albeit, you kind of give them a little bit of a, of an excuse there because the 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 they did a they did an okay job um for most of the game and then X goes out 
and they they gave up some big plays to allow Cincinnati to go down and and actually put the game away. But even before that, actually, you get you had X giving up the long touchdown pass to T. Higgins. So it's every game there is a big game changing play that's allowed by the defense, and the defense can play ninety percent of the game at an elite level. But if you're giving up big plays like that and you're not making up for it by making big plays, by creating turnovers, you're really, you're, you're really not playing at, at all that high of a level. And we said going into the season, this Dolphins defense was going to need to play at a really high level for this team to get where they wanted to be. If this team was going to get to be, uh, you know, forget being like a real contender, but even a playoff team, this, this defense was going to need to play at a high level because even, even if you assumed that everything was going to work out with Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, there were still going to be question marks about the offensive line. There were still going to be question marks about the running game and that the offense just does not have it clicking consistently enough for this to be an offensive football team that can carry this team where it needs to go. For this team to have success, the defense is going to need to play at a high level. And again, the defense did play at a high level in this last game, but the defense, they need to be better. They like you need to be able to force turnovers. So we'll get into that. Um, those are the problems. How can they be fixed? Well, I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. But speaking of fixed, I'll tell you one thing that's not fixed, um, at least to my knowledge, and that is, you know, professional sports games. Again, not to my knowledge. But if you want to bet on professional sports games or college sports games or golf or boxing, all of the major sports, all you got to do is go to bet us and if you go to bet us and you use the promo code dolphins talk you will get a 125 percent sign up bonus with your first deposit so you do the math if you put in a hundred dollars you're getting 125 dollars uh to play with did i do that right i don't know i i think that's the right math is that how it works i think that's how it works or maybe do you put in a i don't know Anyway, you get 125% bonus, and that's something that you don't get if you don't use the promo code Dolphins Talk. So you should probably use the promo code Dolphins Talk. And then once you're on there, you can bet the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball playoffs, the NBA, NHL, UFC, golf, boxing, all the major sports. Again, use the promo code Dolphins Talk to get that 125% sign up bonus and go to bet us where you can get free money to make money. So, how do we fix this? How do we fix these problems? Because if we don't fix these problems, look, the the days of looking at the schedule and saying, well, this is an easy part of the schedule, that's a win. Like, you just lost to the Jets in the, you just lost to the Jets. And I know the Jets are four and two and they just beat the Packers. I refuse to believe that the Jets are good. Maybe they're not bad, but the Jets are not good. But you, and in, at any rate, that was one that everybody had chalked up as a win and they lost. Get a home game against the Vikings. 
and you lose that one too. And I know you look at the Vikings record. The Vikings are the most, fra- well, they're one of the two fraudulent five and one teams. I don't know who's better than, the, I don't know who's better between the Vikings and the Giants. But I don't think the Vikings are, are anything special. Now, if the Packers took a step back, you know, the Vikings could win that division. They absolutely could. But I don't think any, I, I don't think the Vikings are a very good team. After what I watched on, on Sunday, I don't think the Vikings are anything impressive. The Dolphins should have won that game. But that's the point. They didn't. So even though they're getting healthy, we can't look at this, this Pittsburgh game and say, Hey, that's a win. They've got to fix the problem. So. What can be fixed? Can that, can, can the health be fixed? Well, the injuries, you, you're getting Tua back. It looks like you're getting Austin Jackson back. Hopefully you're getting Teron Armstead back. That's huge. That fixes the offense to a great degree. Defensively, I don't know what's going on with Byron Jones. I really don't. And the fact that Nick Needham, we find out, Torres ACL. Secondary is an issue right now. You got X. I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but he's clearly playing a step below what, what he's played at the last couple of years. He definitely looks a step slower. He hasn't been as sharp. Teams are going after him and they're having success. He's not getting the turnovers. And you look at the rest of the, the cornerback room and you look at what the Dolphins went into the season with. Byron Jones supposed to be the number two corner, hasn't played a game. Nick Needham supposed to be the number three corner, had played every game up to this point, but now he's out for the year. Trill Williams was supposed to be the number four corner. He's gone. When Trill Williams got hurt in the preseason, they went out and they got McK- and they signed Mackenzie Alexander. He immediately got hurt. Now you got Cater Kohu who has been a godsend because if it wasn't for him, we'd we'd all be relying heavily on Noah Igbenogany. Noah Igbenogany would be our number two corner right now if it wasn't for Cater Kohu. But Cater Kohu missed this last game. Now, I don't know how significant his injury is. We'll have to keep our eye on the on the injury report there to see uh, if Cater Kohu is able to come back next week. I certainly hope so because, like I said, if he doesn't, Noah Igbenogany is your number two corner. Unless, of course, you do something. And I think now you have to really look at what you want this season to be. If this season is just another evaluation season to evaluate what you have, then maybe you don't trade a pick for for Jackson the third from Washington. Maybe you don't sign Joe Hayden. You know, maybe you just... Say, hey, this is the trial for, for Noah Igbenogany. As long as Byron Jones is out, we're going to roll Noah Igbenogany out there and we're going to give him live reps and we're going to see if this guy can just sink or swim. I personally have think, think we've seen enough of that, but I'll give Noah Igbenogany credit after uh, having a really bad pass interference, uh, you know, early in the game. I thought he, you know, I thought he settled in and actually did a decent job uh, the rest of the way. But there's no way that you can go in if you're if you're really banking on this team being a playoff team. There's no way you can go in 
and have Noah Igbenogany be your second or even third best corner right now. So you got to bring somebody else in. You, you just have to address this. And hopefully sooner rather than later, Byron Jones gets back. And hopefully it has the impact that we all hope it does. Because, you know, we all talk about Byron Jones like Byron Jones was like some Pro Bowl cornerback. And Byron Jones is a nice compliment and a good cover corner. But Byron Jones had questionable ball skills and was really up and down. It wasn't like Byron Jones was this lockdown corner that you couldn't throw at um, and and have success. So like, part of me feels like, even though Byron Jones would absolutely be a huge help for this secondary and would absolutely be an upgrade over Cater Kohu and Noah Igbenogany. I don't know. I think people are forgetting who Byron Jones is. And I think they're expecting Byron Jones to come in and be like corner one B to, to Xavier Howard and not just to what Xavier Howard is now, but to what Xavier Howard has been the, the previous couple of years. And I, I think people might have too high of expectations on Byron Jones, especially considering he's coming off of an Achilles injury. So I don't really know what to expect there. So I really think the Dolphins need to address this. That's how, that's how that can be fixed. It looks like you're going to get healthy on the offensive side of the ball. And hopefully you can, you can stay healthy because it's been ridiculous. It's, it's every single week with the quarterbacks. Like, let's just have a starting quarterback that goes out there and plays every snap, please. Have, have, have your two starting offensive linemen go, go, go out there and, and play the entire game. Like, please. And, and then not end up, end up on the injury report the following week. We talked about the O line. We'll talk a little bit about defense and whether or not that can get fixed. Let's, let's talk about that. We just talked about the, the secondary and I think everybody's assessment right now, everybody that wants to believe that this defense really can be elite. The assessment is the defense isn't elite right now because they're missing a key piece in Byron Jones. And that's impacting the pass rush and the number of sacks. It's impacting the way that they are calling plays defensively. And thus, it's also impacting their lack of turnovers that they're forcing defensively. I think there's something to be said about the way that they're calling games because one thing that Byron Jones does really well is he is really good in man press coverage. And I think it does give you the flexibility to be more aggressive with your pressures and really force the opposing quarterback to have to get the ball out quick and have to do it against receivers whose timing is being disrupted. But I also think that a big reason that this defense isn't commit, isn't forcing turnovers is strictly the game script because quarterbacks you'll see it all the time. Like, I mean, you saw it in this game, Teddy Bridgewater, not the, not the interception that was a perfectly thrown ball towards the end of the first half that bounced off of Jalen Waddle and was picked off. But later in the game, when the dolphins uh, were, were trying to come from behind and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, 
tried to force a throw in. When you're playing from behind and you feel that sense of urgency, you're more likely to make mistakes like that. But the Dolphins are playing every game from behind. And so the opposing quarterbacks are playing every game with a lead and they're doing it against the Dolphins offense that has their backup quarterbacks in. And they're specifically like playing not to lose the game. Like, why are you going to make an aggressive throw? Why are you going to force a, a, a pass when you've got control of the game and you don't believe that the opposing offense is, is that much of a threat because they've got, whether you want to call it the backup quarterback or the third string quarterback, by the way, Skylar Thompson at this point, clearly better than, than Teddy Bridgewater. Which so so much for that whole idea uh, that Teddy Bridgewater is the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, Dolphins spent a lot of money on a guy that's now going to be their third string quarterback, and that's just the reality of the situation. The Dolphins spent a lot of money on a guy that's going to be their third string quarterback. They spent a lot of money on a guy that is essentially their number four receiver and their uh, fifth wide re- and their fifth or sixth receiving option, can't even get on the field, can't get any targets, and they spent a lot of money on a tight end who, while he put up some good numbers in this game, thanks to some big plays in garbage time, is probably not long for this team either in Mike Gesicki. They spent roughly $22 million on those players this year. That's $22 million that probably would have been better spent uh anywhere on this team. <laughs> but particularly on the offensive line, who we said, and we, and we identified it going into the season, uh, that there were offensive linemen available that the Dolphins could have signed. And they chose not to because they chose to believe not just in the, the guys that they brought in and Connor Williams and Teron Armstead, but essentially they believed in Austin Jackson, Greg Little and Liam Eikenberg. That's where the problem is. It's not on the guys that they brought in. Teron Armstead, all right, he missed a couple of games. That's going to happen. Like, he had the track record. But when he's been in, he's been great. Connor Williams, yeah, he's been pretty good. But everybody else that was on that Dolphins offensive line that we've bemoaned for the past five years, basically, or, or the past three or four years, they're the same cast of characters. So when Teron Armstead misses the game, are you shocked that that the offensive line sucks when it's the same guys that you had last year? And we talked about that before the before the season started. That you know, it's great that they signed Teron Armstead, but if he does get hurt, where's the depth there? Because you're you're just banking on oh well, you got a new offensive line coach, and this is going to really help develop guys like like Liam Eikenberg and Michael Dieter and uh, Robert Hunt and and Austin Jack. Well, Robert Hunt looks like a good football player. Liam Eikenberg looks like an absolute bust. Austin Jackson looks like looked like an absolute bust coming into this season, and he's only played what like fourteen snaps. So. We still don't know that Austin Jackson is any kind of answer. And Greg Little was a below average swing tackle. He was our swing tackle going into the season that everybody said, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about our swing tackle situation. And now you've got Greg Little and Liam Eikenberg starting on the same side of the field and you're getting destroyed. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. You shouldn't even be mildly surprised it should be expected 
So, look, they're going to get healthier, but I don't know that they can really fix the O-line because I just don't think the depth is there and I think injuries are going to happen. Now, if you can get lucky and Austin Jackson and Teron Armstead come back and they just don't get hurt and nobody on this offensive line gets hurt the rest of the year and you get lucky in that regard, then I think this offensive line can can gel and I think it could be actually be pretty good. But it's a big ask because at this point, one guy gets hurt and the whole thing falls apart. So the injuries, some of that's going to fix itself. The defense... Maybe when you get Byron Jones, maybe you bring in another cornerback. Maybe that helps out the defense, but it's kind of a question mark. It's kind of in limbo. The offensive line, yeah, that's kind of in limbo too. But one thing that this Dolphins team can absolutely fix are the mental errors. And this is where it's on. Ultimately, it falls on the players. But really, who's going to get judged for this is Mike McDaniel. The mental errors have been obvious the last two weeks. You can sweep, you can only sweep so much under the rug because you've got your backup quarterback in and you've got all these injuries. At some point, you need the players that you have to be a well-oiled machine and not make these consistent mental errors. The challenge is on Mike McDaniel to get this fixed going into this next game and for this Dolphins team to play like a disciplined football team. Because if this Dolphins team just played a smart, disciplined game, they would have beaten the Vikings. Even if they would have lost to the Bengals and the Jets and they had opportunities to win those games too. But even if I'll give you that they got, they got outplayed by those teams. The Dolphins should have won this game against Minnesota, and they would have won this game against Minnesota had they not made the mental errors. So fix the mental errors. Maybe one of those other three things. The health, hopefully that falls in the Dolphins' favor. That's going to help the offensive line a little bit. It's going to help the defense a little bit. And hopefully they can get the ship righted. So I've got some final thoughts, but before we get to the final thoughts, you know, I think it's time. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Yeah, we're going to do the pulse check uh, and, you know, feel free to write in the comments um, one word that describes how you're feeling right now about the Miami Dolphins. And right now where I'm at with this Dolphins, look, obviously we drank the Kool-Aid. I drank the Kool-Aid on camera, on the show, and I feel embarrassed. I I, I, I fought so hard not to drink the Kool-Aid, and I did, and here we are. And it's just, it makes me angry. That's not my word. But what makes me angrier is that in spite of everything that has gone wrong for the Dolphins to get to where they're at right now on this three-game losing streak, they still had opportunities to win these games. And in a lot, and, and to be honest, in the Cincinnati game, I felt like the Dolphins were the better team. 
and things just kind of fell apart at the end of that game. I think that was a more evenly matched game. The Jets absolutely deserve that game. But this game against Minnesota, Miami was absolutely the better football team on Sunday. And they just gave the game away. And the fact that they've had these opportunities and they haven't been able to close the door and finish the job like they were able to the previous two games against Buffalo and Baltimore, it's got me very, very frustrated. It feels, it's very easy right now to feel like the Miami Dolphins are the same old Dolphins. They're not a good football team. They're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine. And you may absolutely be right. Look, at the beginning of the season, I, I said they'd be 10 and seven and I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. But I also bought in after they beat Buffalo and I still see a lot of the good that this team was doing in those first three wins in spite of losing these football games. And it just feels like just one or two little mistakes that make a big impact that are the difference right now between the Dolphins being where they're at at three and three or being four and two or possibly even five and one. And if we're, if we would have just won this game on, on Sunday, the outlook would be entirely different because everybody would be saying the Dolphins righted the ship. They beat a team that came in at four and one and now they're getting healthy and the ball is just going to keep on rolling in the right direction. Instead, they lose and it feels like the ball is just going to keep on rolling in the wrong direction. So it feels like the Dolphins are actually very close, but they just can't get over the hump, which in a way is very same old Dolphins because that's literally where the Dolphins have been, you know, have been, you know, even in the good years over the past 30 years is a team that just can't quite figure it out to figure out what they need to do to get over the hump. But it's also, it also feels frustrating because it feels like this team is good enough. It really does. It feels like this team, granted, they need to be healthy because the, the depth is an issue and look, depth is part of it. And so, you know, if you're not deep enough, then you're not good enough. And I get that. And there's a, there's an argument to be made there, but also this team is good enough. The passing game is, is good enough when healthy. The offensive line is good enough when healthy. The defense is good enough, but they've got to play together complementary football and they have to finish games because look at the end of the day, the Patriots game, the Dolphins dominated that one from start to finish. Other than that, every game has gone into the fourth quarter. Twice, the Dolphins had the answer in the fourth quarter. The last three games, the Dolphins have not had the answer in the, in the fourth quarter. And that's been the difference. So this team needs to learn how to finish it. I feel like they're close. I feel like they're on the doorstep and they could really, the light bulb could go off and this team could very well find themselves on another big winning streak and put themselves in position to make the playoffs. But until they do, it's hard to have faith in them. And it's very easy 
to be frustrated. So before we move on to my final thoughts, did anybody else in the comments have a, have a word? Well, Victor Lozano said he's frustrated. And he said Miami is jinxed. So there's a, a double, a double take there, a double, uh, pulse check. Philip Piccolo feels troubled. I certainly can understand that. And, oh, my wife is in the chat. She, the food witch, she says, I mean, this is two words, two words, but she says silly goose. And she's referring to me falling for it the same way that we fall for it every single year with these same old dolphins just to be disappointed. So final thoughts. Look, as I said earlier, at the end of the day, you're three and three. And if you would have said at the beginning of the season that you were three and three coming into this point in the season, I think every Dolphin fan would take it and would feel good about it and would feel like, hey, we're three and three. We've got, uh, you know, the Steelers coming up. They're no good. You got the, the Lions and the Bears and the Browns and the Texans coming up. We, we can win these games. Like we can absolutely find ourselves at eight and three. Now, for me, the formula for this team, as somebody who had the Dolphins going one and three to start the season, this was the stretch of seven games where I said, well, the Dolphins, if they start one and three, they need to win at least six of those seven. They have a legit opportunity to win all seven. Um, but if they win six out of seven, they can go into that last stretch of the season at seven and four. It sets them up nicely to where... If you just go 500 the rest of the way, you go 10 and 7, you go 10 and 7, you got a shot at making the playoffs. Now, I do think you might need to go 11 and 6 to make the playoffs. That said, if you can get to 7 and 4, you just got to you you got to find a way to 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 have a winning record in the last 6 games of the season, which is the test of a good team. Well, when you started 3 and 0, you kind of changed the math there. You didn't just change expectations and say, well, maybe the Dolphins can win more than 11 games. And maybe this team isn't just a playoff team, but maybe they're a legitimate contender. Well, let's put all of that on the back burner. I'm not saying that that can't happen, but let's put all that on the back burner because that looks very unlikely at this point. Let's just talk about what this Dolphins team needs to do to make the playoffs. And they kind of use their margin for error. So you're, you went into a stretch where you were supposed to at the very least win six out of seven and you've dropped two. You've dropped the first two. So what this essentially does, this makes up for the fact that you beat Buffalo and Baltimore. Assume that you would have lost the Baltimore, uh, game. Assume that you would have lost the game to Buffalo and you were one and three. You probably would have picked the Dolphins to bounce back, beat the Jets and beat the Vikings. And that's how you probably imagined we get to three and three. And obviously it feels different, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. So you come in, you still have a stretch of five games now against teams that quite frankly, you should beat, especially since you're getting healthier. The Dolphins need to at the very least win four of the five of these games. 
They have a very legitimate shot of winning all five. Obviously, you can't sit here and say that the Dol- you feel good about the Dolphins winning all five. I don't even think you could sit here and say you feel good about the Dolphins winning a four out of five. But I think you can, you can honestly say there's a likelihood that that could happen. Like, you don't feel like that's an insurmountable thing. And that's the point, is that if the Dolphins can just do that, just win four of five against... Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, and Houston. Just win four out of five, and you are seven and four going into your last six games. And yes, in those last six games, you're going to have some tough games. You're going to have road games against, uh, against San Francisco and against the Chargers and against Buffalo. And you're going to have, uh, you know, a game in Foxborough and you're finishing the season against a Jets team that might be better than what we thought. But if you could put yourself at seven and four going into the last six games, you're going to be right there in the thick of things. And that's essentially the playoffs right there for you. What I don't want is for this team to put themselves in the position that they were in last year, which is putting yourself into a position where you basically have to win out because That's not going to happen. So we've identified the problems. We've identified what things are fixable. What things maybe you're a little bit on the fence about as far as whether or not they can be fixed. But those things that can be fixed, they better be fixed and they better be fixed quickly because the margin for error is running out And if things don't turn around this week or next, the Dolphins are going to find themselves in a really bad position where they may not even be in the playoff picture come the last month of the season. I think they're going to, they're going to write the ship. I think they're going to get this thing together. And I actually think this team is closer than a lot of people think they are right now, but will they get it done? That remains to be seen. I hope that you guys enjoyed this solo show. Uh, I don't plan on this being a very regular thing. Uh, I sincerely hope that Josh will be back and maybe we'll actually record on our planned uh, Thursday uh, evening show and our Thursday evening time slot this week for the preview show against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it's uh, but thank you for hopping on and enjoying the ride and and I hope that you enjoyed it and uh from Josh and from all the people at Dolphins Talk and myself uh take care of yourself and take care of each other and as always go Dolphins